Hi everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to keep up with the world of men's professional volleyball. Finally, I'm back from a little summer vacation here, took a bit of rest, but now podcast is back, volleyball is back with Eurovolley. Going to talk about that today a little bit. Also, talk a little bit about the Taylor Sanders situation, give my thoughts on that, and talk a little bit about the Olympics, a, bit, a tiny bit of a retrospective, because I don't think I've really talked about post-Olympics anything on this podcast before. So those are the topics for today. If you're interested in that, stick around and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. So first I'll just give very quick thoughts on the Olympics here with France. Of course, you guys all know winning Irvin Engapet MVP, probably the most interesting part of it all to me. Uh, Irvin Engapet came up big in the big matches there at the end. Well-deserved MVP, of course, I think. If you're not just talking about the last game, if you're talking about the whole tournament, I think you would definitely have to give it to probably Trevor Cleveneau. I thought was their best player throughout the entire thing. Antoine Broussard, also very important, very, played very well in the finals. Would have no problem giving, giving him the finals MVP. But also Ben Toniuti was a pretty big part of their play throughout the tournament as well. I think they definitely came on a lineup that worked for them by the end. The chemistry was looking really good. Of course, Kevin Tilly off to the side. Uh, Tony Udi ended up being on the bench for probably their best lineup. Uh, Jean Patry, obviously, above Stefan Boyer. So a lot of the kind of, the, basically the lineup, I think, that we predicted, depending on uh, what you think of Tony Udi versus Brizard. But all those players are returning for the European Volleyball Championship. So that's going to be exciting to see a full-strength France Olympic team roster playing again in the European Championships. Uh, you, you guys will be able to tell by the end of this episode, but uh, I'm pretty pumped about this. Russia, great job coming in second. I don't think you can consider that as a disappointment. We'll see uh, if Mikhailov is continuing his career with the team. Could be tough to do uh, 2024 for him. He is getting older, but he also was one of their most important players. Uh, both him, Viktor Politaev, missing the European Championships, unfortunately. And then third place, definitely the most surprising team out of all this with uh, Argentina getting third bronze. That's an absolutely huge win for Argentina. Unbelievable. They played really well throughout the tournament. Uh, the big question mark, as we discussed on the podcast, Facundo Conte, I think, was one of them who uh, who had a really bad VNL, did not look good at points in the group stage in the Olympics, but he was he managed to turn it on uh, going into the playoffs, played really well. They were able to have that net extra offensive option, and obviously Bruno Lima absolutely wrecking uh, in that game against the USA, looking like a prime Ivan Zaitsev out there. That was that was a very interesting match. So yeah, great job, Argentina. Uh, I would say for sure the team that was that would overachieve the most. I had them in kind of the tier three uh, group with Japan and Iran and Canada, and they clearly finished the best out of all those players or all, all of those teams. Sorry, the two most disappointing teams, obviously Poland. Losing in the quarterfinals hurt a lot. I mean, I guess it was to the eventual champions, France. But as I said on the podcast, Poland for sure were the favorites of the tournament. Adding Wilfredo Leon to the world championship team. But after all that's gone on with Poland in the last few months, whether it was Eurovolley 2019, whether it was um, this tournament, whether it was VNL, part of me thinks that world championship win by Poland in 2018 was like a pretty big fluke. Um, given how the team has played outside of that. I think that they got really hot on a tear, faced the right teams at the right times. At some point, I would kind of want to go back and go uh, kind of do a deep dive looking back at the World Championships 2018. But 
I think we we almost have to stop thinking of some of the players on that team as as kind of the elite tier that maybe maybe we put them in. Maybe they're a bit overrated. Guys like Kubiak, guys like Bartosz Kurek, uh, definitely Fabian Drija, who I think got a lot of the internal blame for Poland's play during the Olympics. I've, I've heard from some sources that, yeah, a lot of the players on the team do think setting was the biggest issue. But yeah, I think maybe, maybe we have to readjust our expectations for this group of players. Obviously, Wilfredo Leon, still the best player in volleyball, adds a lot to the team, but maybe... Maybe we can't think of it as Wilfredo Leon joining the world champions because I don't know. I, I think if we run it back, that team doesn't necessarily win the world championships 2018 like that often if you run it back. If you guys follow what I'm saying. Another very disappointing team during the tournament, a team that didn't even make the playoffs. Granted, it was a hard group um, and they were dealing with Aaron Russell's injury. But the USA, uh, tough one for them, it seemed. I mean, other than the Aaron Russell injury, that was a really tough blow. It, it just seemed like this was a, a pretty good window they had here with Matt Anderson getting up there in age and no real suitable replacement for him at the opposite position. And a kind of a weak crop of guys outside of the setters and uh, Twiniga, Micah Ma'a, Joe Worsley. And then, of course, TJ DeFalco looks amazing. Actually, he looked a lot better this summer. I think he's improved a lot. He's going to be a great replacement. Uh, but it looks like Aaron Russell isn't the only outside hitter who might be missing next season because there's been this a lot of discussion kind of in a slow offseason period before we get into Eurovolley here. It's been about American outside hitter Taylor Sander has kind of been ghosting this club he signed for, Scraw Belchatov, where he played last year. And the Scraw has not been able to reach him. So it seems pretty likely that he's not going to report to training camp, not going to report to the team for the upcoming season, kind of, um, I guess, canceling his contract the old-fashioned way by just uh, not even not even showing up to, 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 to uh, report to the team. So an interesting situation here. You know, we see this in sports sometimes. It reminds me maybe a little bit of like the Ben Simmons situation in the NBA. We've, we've seen even volleyball players switch teams at the last second. Sometimes it's the club. Uh, sometimes it's the player. We saw kind of Trevor Cleveno, I believe this happened to this year, where he was supposed to sign with a Turkish club, and then he... Got signed by Yastrzemski Vegel the last second. Anyway, the volleyball is probably the most mercenary sport out there played at this level. I mean, contracts are almost meaningless most of the time in volleyball. Teams and players both canceling them pretty easily. But I, I think this is a, a unique situation. I don't think it's really the, the fact that he's canceling the contract that's the big deal here. Because if he's like, if Zeneca Zahn offered him three times as much money, I don't think there would be anything stopping him from just not showing up to Scraw and then going in, into Seneca's on something like that. And actually for me, it's not really the fact that he promised Scraw that he would, you know, redeem himself this year and he promised he would make up for last season because A, you know, I, I disagree with this on a lot of people here. I know a lot of people were critical of his play last season. For me, he was by far the best player in Scraw last season. He, he was probably one of the best outside hitters in the entire league, even though he missed a lot of time. Like statistically, he was hitting in, uh, hitting in the mid-50s. He was the best passer as an outside hitter in the entire league. He was serving well. Okay, he didn't look like super prime Taylor Sander, but the numbers don't lie on this one. Taylor Sander was really, really good in Scrawl last year and definitely, definitely not the reason for maybe they're uh, not living up to expectations, except for the injury missing time. That does play a factor. And also, I mean, at the same time, you can promise, you know, I'm going to redeem myself. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, do better this season. But also... Uh, given the casualness with 
that a lot of clubs are cutting players with and you know a lot of empty promises that clubs make as well i can't uh, i can't criticize him too much for for you know saying something and then going back on it later it doesn't reflect well on him uh, as a person maybe not the best to make that those kinds of promises and then pretty much immediately go back on it but um, that that's not the main issue here for me the big issue of all this whole situation is that we have one of the best volleyball players in the world top five outside hitter for me in his prime deciding not to just not to play the club season and, and granted disclaimer here we don't really know the true reason why he's doing this he's been silent on social media uh, so everything I'm going to say now is mostly guessing, but the fact that overseas club play is so difficult uh, for some players to handle, or either it's too difficult or not rewarding enough, or some <laughs> intersection of those two factors, that we have one of the best players in the world just uh, deciding that basically staying at home and being an accountant or something is a better deal than going overseas to play professional volleyball. So I guess you can look at this in two ways. Um, one, you can be maybe critical of the player in this situation for sure because we've seen dozens and dozens of players over the years make entire careers overseas um, in a lot tougher conditions than Taylor Sander has making a lot like a lot less money than Taylor Sander has or is poised to make in Scraw maybe it's not NBA player money but it's still a lot more than the vast majority of volleyball players will make in their lifetime so we've seen a, I've seen a lot of players deal with tougher circumstances than this and not be rewarded nearly as much so of course Taylor is free to make his own decision uh, it's you know it's his life he can do whatever he wants but uh, it's it's a bit concerning when you have uh, players turning down top contracts and the other thing you can be critical of is okay if if the issue is that, you know, you have young kids, you have a wife. These are things that take priority, of course, as they do for uh, any any new or current dads or parents out there. But you have to think about that maybe when you are starting your career in professional volleyball as a player, you know, as someone who's who's gone overseas, uh, living and working in Europe away from friends and family and significant others. It is extremely difficult. I, I get that. I can totally empathize with Taylor on that one. But you kind of have to plan around it a little bit. Um, this wasn't really by surprise that he was going to be playing in places like Russia and Poland and, and Italy and, and, and all these places throughout his career. And what a lot of players do, and I think is probably the best way to approach this, is you move your family you know, overseas um, for the duration of your contract. We see that Michael Christensen is a great example of someone who's you know, really embraced and made a life for himself in Italy with his wife and I think one or two kids, I forget. But yeah, he's really uh, planned the right way, approached it the right way, has a great life playing overseas volleyball. It has really allowed him to spend more time with family and focus on his volleyball career. And I think you know it, it's shown with Micah being the top setter in the world for a number of years now. So I guess my point is if you want to be A, be a volleyball player, and B, you know, marry very young, have kids very young, which Taylor Sander, you know, if you have two kids at 29, at least from my perspective, that's still pretty young. Then you maybe like you're able to anticipate this situation ahead of time, and okay, maybe your wife doesn't want to live in Russia. They doesn't she doesn't want to live in Poland. But someone like Taylor Sander, you can pretty much take your pick of teams. You can play in Lubechivitanova on the beach your whole career if you really wanted to. So that's kind of the critical of Taylor Sander perspective. And the other perspective is that we we probably should have a opportunity for 
uh, professional volleyball players to play in the USA. Um, so that, like, you know, Matt Anderson took a year off last year. We've seen, uh, you know, Canadian players uh, retire quite early or take years off. Like, there's this whole genre, and this happens to Americans too, of, of North American players who are, you know, 25, 26. They're still plenty good enough to play overseas. But because it's not, it's so difficult to be away from your home. Plus, yeah, you're not making a huge amount of money. Uh, it's still like the practice are pretty difficult, all, all those kind of stuff. But mainly the fact that you're, you're so far away from home on a different continent in Europe, time change six hours away, eight hours away from your whole family. They have to end their professional career early, I guess, because uh, it's not really worth it to stay to stay over there in Europe, even though you might be like one of the best players in the German league or one of the best players in the French league or, or wherever. But it doesn't matter because it's at the end of the day it's not really worth it so that's kind of where i spent a little longer on this than i thought but it is a situation that uh that is that is quite interesting in volleyball of north american players playing overseas where's the where's the line for different people and it's obviously it's very different taylor sander playing in scrub Belchatov, having one of the best fan bases in volleyball like making a lot of money having pretty much your entire need catered to as your as the foreign superstar you know, is going to decide not to play the season, whether he plays beach or, you know, like I said, uh, moves into HR, becomes a coach, you know, decides to be chef, whatever he does. It's obviously uh, not even close to the compare comparable to the career he's going to have or he has currently has in volleyball. So it's going to be a significant step down for him. And, you know, there's also players who played 15 years making uh, $30,000 a year in places like Greece and Cyprus and Finland and just, I guess, I don't know what the difference is. Passion, setting uh, your family situation up differently, not getting married, I don't know. But uh, but it's an interesting situation. Now, I really, personally, I really hope Taylor, you know, manages, hopefully he moves his family out to Europe and is able to spend more time with his family and also able to play volleyball because it would be a huge shame for a player like him to retire uh, at this point in time and a huge blow to Team USA, as well as Skra Belchatov this year as well. Um, of course, there could be something going on behind the scenes. It could be uh, illness in the family. You know, could be there could be a, a number of things um, that really would require him to uh, stay home. And he's not obligated to tell anyone on social media. So, of course, with the big caveat that there could be something serious other than his wife just wanting him to uh, to stay home. All right. So that's 15 minutes on Taylor Sander, more than enough. So let's get to a quick overview of Euro Volley. Men starting today, yesterday, maybe a couple days ago, depending on when you guys are listening to this. I'm going to go through each of the pools quickly here, give my rankings, uh, who I think is going to make the playoffs. Six pools, uh, four, sorry, four pools of six teams each, top four make the playoffs. And maybe give you guys a couple like uh, players to watch, uh, interesting storylines, things like that, because uh, a lot of the games will be on YouTube. So you guys can watch that uh, that way, especially kind of group phase pre-quarter finals of course Eurovolley TV if you guys are listening to this podcast you're probably in Canada USA they're not geo-blocked the matches um, and you get I believe all the matches for five euros so insanely good deal for Eurovolley TV on this one um, might be a bit higher than five maybe 10 or 15 but either way that's like an incredible amount of high level volleyball for not a high price so yeah up to you would you guys if you guys want to watch these games but I would highly recommend it like this is by far, by far the most competitive continental competition, and that's even better than I expected with teams like Poland, uh, France, as I mentioned, Slovenia, Serbia, a lot of really top elite teams sending their best lineups. Anyway, 
enough chit chat enough gossip let's get into the rankings and uh overview pool overviews starting with pool a and let's start with my sixth ranked team greece a former powerhouse in the volleyball world unfortunately not so much anymore but i would definitely recommend catching at least one of their games uh just for one player i've talked about him before Ath athanasis protopsaltis a probably the most undersized relative to his position player like wing player in volleyball i guess there's nishida as well is pretty good at this but protopsaltis is a, like a 6'1 183 centimeter 185 centimeter outside hitter uh, and he's played at top clubs, played at Friedrichshafen, uh, you know, has played in Poland before as well. And probably the best player on this Greek team has an incredibly undersized outside hitter. And he's, you know, got a great vertical, very, very smart hitter, very powerful hitter. And, you know, if you guys are undersized wing hitters, probably a lot of you are because it's pretty rare to... Uh, <laughs> to have the size to uh, be a normal-sized wing player in volleyball. But Protopsaltis is a great player to watch uh, if you want any in inspiration of how you should play. Next up, ranked five, Portugal. You know, they did play VNL a couple years ago. They, they have placed all right in certain European tournaments, weren't that great at the European Golden League this year. Uh, pretty much the same deal with Portugal as in the past, the Ferreira brothers and uh, Miguel Taveras. Again, this kind of core group in Portugal is getting a bit older. So I don't really see them making any noise in this zero volley. At number four in this pool, Belgium. Uh, again, same similar with Portugal. Pretty much the same team from Belgium we've seen over the past few years. Sam Duru, I think a perpetually underrated player. Great size, great serve. One of the best blocking, if not the best blocking outside hitter. Um, so mostly the same team, except we have one new player vote to hear. He's a young middle blocker. He's actually playing in Trentino next year. Not starting, he's still going to be behind Podrashen and Lisenash, obviously, but probably going to come in, get some good experience from those guys as the third middle hitter. And, his, you know, he's looked quite good, actually. I, I like Votier. Uh, I think he's going to make a bit of noise this tournament. Third place, I have Ukraine, who probably would have placed higher in other pools, actually. I think I would have put them in number two in every other pool. But, unfortunately, the two teams ahead of them are really tough. Uh, Ukraine with Oleg Plotnitschki regressed maybe a little bit in Perugia but I think he always plays better when he's like the number one option and I think he will be without Wilfredo Leon here uh, but Dmitro Vietsky who if you don't know the Ukrainian opposite hitter had a pretty good Euro Volley 2019 I got to see him play in person a bunch of times and interview him as well um, but he's looked he's even a lot better he was one of the leading scorers in the Russian league uh, for uh, I believe uh, Novograd this season and again, another player that I think has gone under the radar with, you know, most fans more paying attention to Italy and Poland and VNL, none of which which Vietzky was playing in. So he's going he's gonna to impress a few people, I think. And of course, uh, Yuri Semeniuk, a great middle blocker. So yeah, we, we saw these guys at Eurovolley 2019, but I believe the two years between now and then uh, make a difference. Number two, we have Serbia. Of course, we missed them at the Olympics, which is too bad. Because the Serbian team is really, really good and could have made some quite a bit of noise at the Olympics, I think. Uh, same core as always, the two middle blockers, Lizanach and Podrashinin, but also Pitar Kruzmanovic been playing very well uh, recently, earlier this summer. Um, we have Atanasevic, still an interesting question mark. Judging by VNL, we'll probably be seeing more, uh, more draws in Lubric, who's been playing better 
lately as well. But maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, Atanasevic was able to rest a bit more this summer. Nikola Jovovic actually looked pretty solid, fairly dependable during VNL. So that's one of the question marks for Serbia checked off. Uh, It's still no libero, but we have Ivovic and Kovacevic on the outside. So yeah, a very solid team, um, top to bottom, except for that libero. Um, so yeah, Serbia definitely they won Euro Volley 2019, and it's uh, the same team pretty much. With I don't think anyone's really regressed except for maybe Nemanja Petric since then. So they are looking very solid. Oh, and of course Atanasevic, but I think uh, Ivovic and Lubric are, are more than capable replacements. Number one, I have Poland. Not too surprising. Uh, what is surprising is that they went with pretty much the same, or if not exactly the same, lineup. As in the Olympics, of course, we'll see a lot more of the bench uh, with less at stake in Eurovolley until the later rounds. But Poland, they, they have some revenge games to go here. First of all, getting bounced to the Olympics, I don't think anybody expected that. And least of all, the uber-confident Poland were not expecting to go home that early with no hardware. Um, so what it sounds like from, from Vitel Hanen in the Polish media is that they were planning on kind of not taking Eurovolley seriously after the Olympics, but considering how the Olympics went and how poorly it went, they decided to to give more emphasis to this tournament. So we'll see if the Poland revenge tour works, and of course, revenge also for uh, for that first big tournament with Wilfredo de Leon and Eurovolley 2019 not going according to plan either. In Pool B, my sixth place team, Montenegro. Again, <laughs> not a lot of people familiar with Montenegro volleyball, I'm sure. If any of you guys listening are from Montenegro, I'm sorry. But we do get an opportunity to see uh, to see a fairly solid team here. I think they actually will be better than people expect. Um, mostly going on what I saw from Eurovolley 2019 and the qualifiers, because we actually, you know, a lot of these players don't play in top clubs, but Vojn Kacic, uh, their captain, looked quite good in, in Eurovolley 19. And I also... Very underrated player, Nikola Lakcevic, their uh, libero. is actually a very, very solid libero. Not well known because if you're not an absolutely elite libero and you're not from Italy, Poland, Russia, or Brazil, just a tough, tough living for a libero out there. But surprisingly adept libero, considering Montenegro is usually uh, in a country more known for producing giants opposite and middle blockers rather than great ball control liberos. Fifth place, we have the Czech Republic, uh, the big news, obviously, is no Donovan Zavaranak on the team. That's going to be a huge blow for them, especially with them hosting the tournament. So definitely the player to watch on Czech Republic is Marek Satola, who has done very well at the youth stage for the Czech Republic so far. Definitely one of the most exciting young prospects in Europe. They also have Lucas Fasina, another young opposite. So it's going to be interesting between those two players. Also, Jan Hadrava is probably their, their best player on the roster. So... Arguably, they're three most interesting players all at opposite. So we'll see uh, who the Czech Republic ends up going with. Hopefully, I love Hadrava, but I, I do want to see some of the younger guys selfishly. Next up, I have Belarus. Tough to choose between them in the number three pick, but I really like this Belarus team. Actually, I think I think they're on the up and up. They've done quite well at the youth tournaments with this group of players. Um, two players that really stick out to me, Udoslav uh, Daviskiba. Uh, who played on Monza last year, got some solid playing time, looked pretty good uh, considering his his young age, born in 2001. Uh, I think definitely going to be a player who can have a full career in Italy because he's already starting 
uh, at his young age. So he's going to be an exciting player. And also, I, I guarantee you tons of people are going to be talking about this guy, um, Udoslav, another Udoslav, uh, Babkovic, who has got to be like, literally has got to be like seven foot two, seven foot three. He is absolutely massive. One of the tallest volleyball players I've seen uh, play on the court. Also, he, has, he was rocking a mohawk during the Euro Volley qualifiers, which made him look even taller. Um, and looks pr surprisingly spry for someone of his size. Reminds me a bit of uh, Kristaps Porzingis, the basketball player. So I think he has a ton of potential. Got snapped up by Fikel Novi Uringoy for next season. So I know I'm not the only guy with Babkovic on my radar. I'm looking at their roster right now. He's probably going to start for them next year. Like I think he's listed at 202 on Volleybox, but... Guys, if watch Udoslav Babkovic play. Like, if Babkovic is 202, then I'm like 150. This guy is an absolute giant. But ultimately, I put them below Bulgaria, who is a little more experienced. Also, a few young, exciting players. It's going to be interesting who decides to go with an outside hitter. I think opposites, obviously, Sokolovs. Uh, if he's playing the whole tournament, we have Saganov. I don't think they really have any other options at setter. But outside hitter, they could go with uh, Skrimov, Aspurov. Uh, Atanasov, Yorgi Petrov. So Aspirov and Petrov, two younger, high potential outside hitters. Atanasov, super athletic, very fun to watch. Love Atanasov, but a little older. And Skrimov, the oldest of the bunch, but probably the best player. Uh, maybe Atanasov, probably, but uh, no, I should Atanasov over Skrimov, but extremely strong server, fun player to watch. So definitely a few question marks with Bulgaria, but I think the overall talent level is high enough that they're they're probably a playoff lock here. I could, actually could see Italy dropping a bit here too. They are sending a pretty strong lineup. Gianelli is playing uh, Fabio Belasso in for Kalachi, who I think is better than Kalachi anyway. Micheletto, of course, playing in the tournaments is <laughs> like arguably, maybe with Gianelli, but those two are definitely the faces of the team at this point. And you know, whatever rotating cast of like the 15 Italian middle blockers there are. I do like Lorenzo Cortigia though. He's a uh, 99, I believe. I think he actually has a lot of potential to maybe fill in as a uh, starter on the on the uh, top senior team as well. But obviously, uh, opposite's going to be a pretty big issue here for Italy with no Zaitsev. The two guys are Julio Pinali, who has been pretty up and down recently. And the other player is Yuri Romano, who I've never heard of before he made the roster for this tournament, where usually, like, pretty much always for Italy... You, you know who the players are well before they hit the senior team. But yeah, your Romano opposite, a bit of a Hail Mary play, I think, for Italy. Probably pretty athletic, 203, good size, 97, same age as Giulio Pinale. Played for an A2, though. That's that's a bit of a red flag. Um, usually, if you're an Italian player and you're at all half decent, you're going to land on a roster in A1. You played for Siena the last couple seasons. You might remember them, the team that had uh, Maruf and Ishikawa. The one year they played in A1 and somehow like had the, by far the worst record in the in the league despite having a pretty good roster. I think they had Hernandez as well. Anyway, Yuri Amano going to be interesting, but I think overall I'm excited for Italy. I think it's it's kind of a combination of their VNL and the Olympic roster. And of course, at number one, a team that I will never underrate at Eurovolley or even any competition ever again, uh, Slovenia. The fourth place team at VNL and, and one of the most impressive VNL performances, I had way underrated them in that tournament. They clearly can play at a top elite level in international volleyball. I think we're largely we're going to see the same roster as we did at VNL. 
Tina and out Club and Shea Bulls. We'll see if we see Club and Shea Bull ball again with him as by far the first option on offense. Jan Kozomernik, Alan Payank, Gregor Opret had a fantastic setting performance at VNL. We'll see if you can repl- replicate that. Yanni Kovacic, one of the best liberos in the sport of volleyball. And then probably Rock Mozic, the 2002, one of the top prospects in the world. I'm probably going to see him some more. But he's no longer my hidden secrets, hidden gem, I think. Most volleyball fans, and definitely if you're listening to this podcast, know how good Rock Mozic is at this point. In Pool C, my sixth place team, North Macedonia. Not too many storylines here, of course. The Georgia brothers, uh, Nikola Georgia of the opposite, especially. Pretty strong scoring opposite. Also very entertaining, very passionate player. You know, he's a little older, but I think he still has at least one good year of volley left in him. And the only other potentially important player here for me is Alexander Lajeftov, who's playing in Ravenna next year, uh, the outside hitter. Actually, has looked pretty good. Definitely the other standout player on North Macedonia the few times I have watched them before. And given the, <laughs> the sorry state of Ravenna's roster for next season, he actually could, uh, could be starting in Italian A1. Um, so that will be interesting, but we'll, we'll see if he's up to the task. Uh, number five, I have Spain. Interesting fact about Spain, they won Eurovolley in 2007, which is crazy to think about given the uh, unfortunate state of their team right now. player who is probably most interesting for them in qualifiers was Augusto Renato Colito, uh, playing in Germany next year, the 97 opposite. Um, but they do have their best player also at opposite, Andres Vienna, so I'm, I'm not sure what's going to go on for this team. I do like watching Andres Vienna. I do like watching Angel Trinidad, fantastic setter. I do like watching uh, Vigil, the middle, but still, it's going to be a tough road for Spain. They barely qualified for the uh, playoff phase last time. I don't think it's going to happen this time. Finland, the host of Pool C, I'm putting in fourth place. I do hope they make the playoffs. We've kind of had an interesting situation in this Euro Volley where a lot of the, a lot of the hosts will be fighting for a playoff spot at home. So hopefully the home crowd boost gives uh, Finland the energy it needs to make the playoffs. Similar Finnish team to what we've seen before. However, big question mark for them for me is who the outside hitters will be. I'm not entirely sure. We have Nico Suikonen, who played in France A1 last year, 99, pretty young guy. We have Antti Rokanen, uh, who played in Germany with some experience as well. All all guys around 190s, so some smaller outside hitters for Finland. Not, I really don't know who we're going to see here. See if one of them can impress. But I, I feel like Nico Suikonen is a guy who's talked about more as having potential for the future of Finnish volleyball. So he's my pick. Of course, we have Urpo Silvula, opposite Turvaporti, setter, and Larry Kerminen at Libero, who is very entertaining guy. Uh, lucky enough to meet him at the drawing of lots for Eurovolley. Hilarious. Third place, a team that can make some noise this Eurovolley. Turkey, of course, with Addis Lagumzija going to be a huge factor for this team. Was one of the best opposites in Italian A1 for Monza last year. Definitely a uh, bigger name in the world of volleyball than he was in 2019. His brother Mirza also on the team. Uh, F.A. Bayram, the super young i guess he's 2002 so there are other players maybe around his age now but he i feel like he's been playing professional volleyball for like five years on a hawk bank Ankara. so maybe we'll see a bit of him as well 
so yeah we'll see uh this is the team that won european golden league so the uh which is basically the european only vnlb league some pretty good teams there though as as you can see some quite good teams like belgium belarus portugal ukraine that don't play in vnl so a pretty competitive tournament turkey won and they're adding their much better setter ursuline exley to the uh to the roster so turkey yeah could make some noise maybe win a uh, playoff game even at number two in the pool i have the netherlands uh, it was tough between this team and turkey for the two three spot in this pool but can't bet against namir going to be one of the best players in the entire tournament teister torhorst also had a pretty good vnl so we'll see hopefully a lot of him featured as well it's just yeah the rest of the roster especially uh the second outside hitter position uh does not and the setter position doesn't inspire much confidence so that's always Netherlands still gonna have the same issues that they had as uh as last time in the vnl so i don't see them their their ball control their serving isn't other than namir's isn't quite at the level that a lot of the other top teams have another a very interesting team to talk about here russia with no maxi mikhailov no victor Politaev, but a couple of interesting players in the mix for sure one guy i'm excited about to fill in an opposite kareel kletz a younger Russian opposite was part of a pretty good youth teams on the Russian national team. Played overseas, interestingly, in Germany and Bulgaria for a couple of seasons, but came back to Russia last year. Uh, was one of the leading scorers of the league on uh, Krasnoyarsk, Yanesi Krasnoyarsk. And for sure, you guys will see right away when he gets on the field, the guy is huge. Uh, he's listed at 210, might be even taller than that. Um, at this point and yeah he's a very like well-built guy as well big shoulders big chest so uh, funny player to watch uh, you know obviously pretty athletic pretty big still working on a lot of the other parts of the game the the, the skill parts of the game but uh, Kirill Kletz I could see him he's definitely a candidate to fill in uh, for the Russian national team opposite position after Mikhailov and after Politaev of course we could just see uh, Zigalov as well he's pretty good but definitely more of a uh, older safer pick i'm also excited to see sergey tetyukin on the team um, not sure if he's really gotten too much burn with the senior national team yet so that's going to be uh maybe a good introduction to a lot of fans of uh sergey tetyukin's uh son pavel tetyukin and finally we have pool d in sixth place i have slovakia not really going to talk about them too much not really a lot of interesting players um, for some reason, I feel like Slovakia should be a better volleyball country than it is, but for some reason, they just have never been able to produce, and recently, a full lineup of talented players. In fifth place is Latvia, qualifying for the first time on the men's indoor side. A couple interesting players here, Adverse Ozelens, during the qualifiers, which happened like a year ago, it seems like forever, um, probably the most impressive player to me, uh, Denis Petrovs, the setter, has played in Russia actually um, before, so he's pretty talented as well. Uh, Gustavs Freemans, one of the middles, born in 2002, 205 centimeters tall, playing in the newly promoted Prisma Toronto in the Italian A1 League. So if they have a good scouting department, he could be a player to keep your eye on. In fourth place, Estonia, the host, another kind of host country, I'd put in fourth place here. Um, but I think for good reason, it's still, you know, the same lineup they've been rolling out a lot uh through the past few years two of their best players at opposite with oliver venno and renee tapon oliver venno just <laughs> he looks like the troll from the first harry potter movie in the bathroom but he is a very talented volleyball player hello 
I don't know how he moves around at that size. Mart Tamaru uh, is playing in Nak Rosolare, the young Estonian outside hitter. So maybe another player to keep an eye on, a younger player playing overseas. In third place, I have Croatia. A couple of interesting players here. Marco Sedlicek, who we saw have a pretty good season in Italian A1, although he did bounce around a bit between the different leagues. Uh, Timofey Zukowski proved that he could be a starting setter in Russia last year. Actually played better than I expected, playing for Fekel Novi Erngoy with our boy Eric Shoji and Dmitry Volkov. Overall, I would say this is probably by far the weakest pool. I mean, we're already at number two, and they're, they're still not really any strong team. Second place, Germany. Uh, biggest news here, Jorgi Grozier back, played in a couple friendly matches against the Netherlands. We'll see how good he looks, which is great. Love seeing Grozier, of course, volleyball legend, but I kind of liked watching uh, Linus Weber. I think uh, I think it's almost time for Grozier to move over and let, uh, let Weber have his time to shine. Uh, we have Anton Brem back as well, missed VNL. So a couple of decent additions to the German roster, but overall, I wouldn't say are a real threat to make it past quarterfinals at best. And in number one, I mentioned them at the beginning of the podcast, France with their entire Olympic roster intact. No uh, Stefan Boyer, no Kevin Tilly, but it doesn't matter. Those guys weren't playing anyway. So yes, we have Engapet, we have Grabenikov, we have Brizard, we have Tony Udi, we have Trevor Cleveno, we have Jean Patry, we have Nicolas Legoff, we have Barthelemy Chinez, we have the whole gang all the gold olympic rosters i'm sure they're gonna have a lot of people rooting for them after that absolutely incredible cinderella story at the olympics so happy for them great team lots of fun so validated and of course the first tournament with uh new coach bernardino uh the former coach of the brazilian national team bruno resende's father so well be interesting to see a uh, different approach for the french team after a decade of laurent tilly so that's going to be an interesting storyline and that's it that's all four pools all 24 teams in Eurovolley M remember watch on YouTube or Eurovolley.tv going to be great tournaments a lot of games for the first few days so if you're overwhelmed don't feel bad just maybe pick out a few games important games to watch and other than that keep an eye on the standings but yeah I think definitely underrated tournament that if you're someone following the Italian A1 league if you're following VNL if you're following these tournaments Eurovolley is right up there in terms of competitiveness, especially once we get on to the later stages of the tournament. So, hope you guys enjoyed me being back on the mic on this podcast. Remember, always keep an eye on the CEV European Volleyball YouTube channel for the European Volleyball Show that I do with Rob St. Clair on Fridays. And other than that, I hope you guys enjoy the tournament and uh, have a great week. Bye.